So what's with all the endless details? Oh my gosh, endless details. Yes, but there is a point, actually several points of all of the details in this law of God concerning the sacrificial system and the tabernacle and so forth. One is historicity. You do not get this kind of detail in non-historical, especially non-technical writings. Right? Something to write on and something to write with and then making copies of that in the future is a very difficult process. So there's some, some significance to the fact that all this was written down so very carefully. Part of the, the reason for that is it's indicative of or illustrative of the wisdom that has the power to create. So imagine reading a manual from NASA. This is how you build a space shuttle. Right? It's not going to be just sort of, well, put some pieces of metal together and an engine in it and hope for the best. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of detail. It also indicates intricate familiarity and presence with his intricate designs. So as intricate, this simple lampstand, so much more intricate, the crown of God's creation, a human being, body, soul, and spirit. And so intimately acquainted is the creator with his creation. He knew us when he was weaving us together in our mother's wombs all the way to the level of DNA and beneath that level. And then finally, and maybe most powerfully, God puts before us a a, a fork in the road. Do you want to live by law or by grace? Do you want to be the one in control of the details, large and in charge? You'll be the one that runs this creation of his? Or would you rather leave that to God and let God in his power and in his wisdom and genius alive and supporting of his creative work support you so that you in turn by his grace are at liberty to go and serve others? So a look at the uh, tabernacle for a moment. Uh, Pastor Reese showed you that last week, so you kind of get the sense of the whole area, and then the tabernacle itself uh, in the back half of that, and then a little more close up inside the tabernacle. Of course, the two parts, the holy and then the holy of holies. In that first area, the holy, you see maybe right there with the arrow pointing, the lampstand, and that was to uh, function, to give light as the priests worked in that area. And opposite of it, of course, was an altar to uh, do the sacrificing on. And then a little zoom in a little more uh, to verse 37 and, and, uh, through 40. And look at these key phrases. You shall make seven lamps. Why seven? Well, things having to do with God in the Bible tend to come in threes like the angels in Isaiah's vision, holy, 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 and so forth, trinity. Things having to do with the world tend to come in fours, like the four corners of the earth, two, three, four, the directions of the compass. God's activity in his creation tends to be described in sevens, like seven days of creation. Of course, the purpose to give light, and then, of course, after the pattern Uh, consistently through the Bible, God gives you instructions, patterns like Noah and the ark. This is how I want you to do it because if you do it according to God's design, then you'll have success uh, instead of failure. And then, of course, this lamp, this light inside of the tabernacle is pointing forward to something we'll see at the transfiguration of Jesus. The Sunday before Lent begins. 
So Jesus tabernacling about the Son of God inside human nature on the Mount of Transfiguration sort of opens the curtain of the tent to let you see what we've been seeing kind of all along, but now see it extraordinarily. Here is the Son of God in human nature, ready to uh, go to his passion and death, crucifixion in our place. So something about lamps in particular. Lamps don't burn on their own. Lamps require fuel and they provide fire which produces light. But lamps don't make themselves, neither do we. And lamps don't fuel themselves, and neither do we. And spend a moment on the fuel of the lamp. It would have been olive oil. That's an extraordinary invention of God, an olive tree. Of course, it grows as God created it to. It grows on its own by God's design and God's creation. It reproduces on its own. All of that just happens But what a remarkable invention. It produces olives from which you get olive oil, which is medicinal. You can drink it. It's medicinal. You can rub it on. It's good for your skin. You can light it. You can fill your lamp with it and make light with it. Um, You could, I suppose, if you didn't need a tree or if the tree was too old or dead, you could use the tree for fuel and have another source of light. You could even make an idol out of the wood of that olive tree, which Isaiah uh, mocks Israel about. How's how's this work, right? Doesn't the craftsman understand with one hand I chop the wood and I cook my dinner with it and, and then I make some of it into an idol and I say, this is my God? Or you could even make a cross out of it and you could begin to realize the consequences of exchanging creation for creator. And lamps don't carry themselves about. So as you go about, as God leads us in the course of our life, as God fuels us with his word and ignites that word by his inspiration, so we begin to become the light of the world. Don't play with fire. Uh, Certainly, I hope this last experience in California here in the seasons and all of the wildfires, I hope we've learned that lesson. How much more... We learn the lesson to be careful with the word of God because it is living and active. It has power uh, to both to condemn and to raise up. So we would want to be careful not to cut with the law what we're unwilling or unable to provide the gospel or convey the gospel that will heal or raise from the dead. And finally, something about light from a fire. I tried before we lived where we are now to put the fireplace on the television. Uh, It was kind of better than nothing, but not a lot better than nothing. Uh, And then you you can upgrade to a little electric box that has the little thing that goes around it. It it is a little bit warm because there's a light bulb in there. And you can kind of pretend to get near it. And then you can upgrade still more to a gas fireplace, which is actually making real flame and heat. That's a little better, but something, you know, about flipping the switch and it comes on, or now with a remote. There's something very different about having real fuel, wood, that you have to light it, kind of get going, and then get close to, and then watch how the flame works, and realize that there is wood being consumed here. It takes something out of creation to keep me warm and to give me light. And if you've been camping and you don't take along all sorts of battery-powered stuff 
with you, you realize, too, in your camping that this matters, that we're cold without the fire, that there's darkness without the fire. We can't see what we're doing without the fire. All of this uh, pointing towards the Son of God himself. And so I think, uh, in part, I don't have slides for this, about the aesthetics of the early Christian church, where it was true. You weren't warm when you gathered together in a place. There wasn't heat, but there were candles, and lots of candles in some cases. And so there was light and heat. And what a powerful aesthetic experience for all of the senses to come together to hear the word of God conveyed to you, the light of the world that, uh, that thaws us out you know, in our human nature, that regenerates us and raises us up anew uh, to be the light of the world. Just a few statistics, I can't help it. Uh, exegetes love to look at where stuff happens in the Bible and how much. The Gospel of John contains 2% of all the words in the whole Bible, but 9% of the times that the word light occurs. So it gives you a sense of the concentration of this word among other words for the Gospel of John. He's interested in, he recognizes the significance of light, both as word and idea, and so he spends a lot of time on it. The word fire, 604 times in the Bible, but only once in the Gospel of John. Often fire is associated with judgment. And so not surprising that as we turn from Old Testament to New Testament and the Son of God from whom grace and truth flows, law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ, we change from not so interested in fires anymore, but really interested in light. Concordance. So books, the analog world is a good world. Holy Bible, light of God incarnate for us, if you will. Hymnal. Second most important book, tool, the toolbox of the Christian, the concordance. Look at that bad boy. This means you're serious. This is like the, the woodshed, having the woodshed with you. All of the light is here on the pages. It's kind of like parents that give their kids dictionary to read. All the other books are in the dictionary, so you only need the one book. Um, all of the Bible is in the concordance, but it lets you mine along different channels, if you will. So the word light in the Gospel of John, 25 times, in 1 John, 6 times, in Revelation to St. John, uh, 10 times. And it's worth reading each one of those passages. I have a a few samples for you. From Gospel of John, in him, meaning Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. So first life itself in the Son of God, and then that, light is, uh, that life is supported uh, in the light that shines from the Son of God. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and here he comes. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we have seen his glory... Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So not surprisingly, maybe, uh, Good Friday afternoon, right? From noon until three, darkness comes over the land as the Son of God is eclipsed by the judgment of God and then says, it is finished. John 3, happy chapter for lots of people's minds. God loved the world thus. He gave his only begotten Son, but keep reading. Don't stop so soon goes on to judgment. This is the judgment that light has come into the world, 
but people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been worked by God, God's work in us. And then from 1 John chapter 1, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Refrain from a hymn in the hymnal. And here is a condition. This is a fact. If ever we walk in the light, or as often as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have common union, fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And how is the Son of God in the light? Always. So if we walk in the light, as in if we remain in the light, as he is in the light, then we have common union with each other. How could we do otherwise? We're in the same place, seeing the same thing with the same regenerated soul, regenerated by the same word of God. So we're not talking metaphorically here, but we are, in fact, brothers and sisters in Christ. From Psalm 119, many of you know this, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, Give a look today at Revelation 11, the two lampstands, Moses and Elijah, coming together in the Mount of Transfiguration because Jesus fulfills both. Matthew 25 on virgins and oil and why they can't share and what it means to be ready. Uh, Then Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. And think about how that's true. The crowd was there listening, standing in the presence of the Son of God, the light of the world. So inasmuch as they were in his presence, they would have to be like the moon, the light of the world, reflecting the light of the Son of God as they listen to him. The trouble comes when earth comes between moon and sun. So what happens to us when our human nature or when the world around us comes between us and the word of God, then there's darkness and things get cold and there's confusion and trouble and difficulty. So finally, geocentrism versus heliocentrism. We might have known, anyone might have known from reading the Bible that the sun is the center of the universe, but human nature turns in on itself. Louis XIV, the sun God. Couldn't get enough of If he had a selfie stick, I'm sure he would have loved that. Um, But we do turn in on ourselves and this dirt that we're made out of thinks everything has to be about me and we know the consequences of that kind of universe as they begin to collide with each other. That's the history of humankind is the history of war because of this geocentrism. But heliocentrism orients us all in the same direction like sunflowers right tracking where the word of God leads us in harmony and in union so far uh, the beginning of a look at the significance of the lampstand God bless us in his light and truth for Jesus sake amen